fans and a hearty welcome back inside Studio C at BYU TV Studios in Provo, Utah for another weekly edition of The Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's broadcast, we visit with BYU's special teams and defensive coordinators Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki. We look back on a second consecutive rivalry win for the Cougs and ahead to BYU's penultimate home game of the 2019 campaign. And as always, we invite your questions for the coaches. Make sure you use the hashtag CCBYU, and we'll see what comes up on social media a little later on on the show. And we begin today's broadcast by welcoming in BYU's special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, hello again. Hi, Greg. It's a good Monday. It they, is. They tend to follow good Saturdays somehow. That's right. Yeah. So uh, two weeks after ranked Boise State, uh, you had another regional, we'll call them regional rivalry games. Uh, this one, the in-state game against Utah State. Another great win, 42-14 in the final. And I want to go right to the solid start that BYU had. Defensive three and out to open the game. Then a 93-yard touchdown on the other side of that defensive three and out. First time now in the Satake era that BYU scored an opening drive touchdown in now back-to-back games. You're up 7 nothing. early. Good feeling. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, credit to uh, Kairos Tonga made an incredible play on third and one um, to, to get the to help finish that three and out. And then, and then the offense has just been playing really aggressive on, on early downs and early in, early in series and really getting drives started. And so I think that's carried over not just from first drives but throughout the game the last couple of weeks. BYU forced a fumble on uh, Utah State's second possession. We're still seeing video when they. We're driving to make it 7-0. And it was a great drive, by the way, to get in uh, for six. So the second possession for Utah State, you force a fumble, and, and you could have gone up 14-zip. Uh, there's a fumble inside the five-yard line. Now, you never know how games are going to go, but at the time, it kind of felt like a chance to establish control goes by the wayside a little bit because the Aggies answer, they go on an 86-yard touchdown drive, and, and the game was on. Yeah, it was game on at that point. We did. We missed an opportunity. We created an opportunity and then uh, and then gave it right back. But... Uh, Credit, credit to the boys for continuing to fight through that. And you got a really good early look. Even though Utah State went three and out on the first possession, they get going. And when they get going, that is a maybe the fastest tempo team in the country. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's critical to start out with a stop, whether it's first series, second, or third series. But you need something early so that the defense can kind of get over, adjust to the speed of it. And then, and then I think throughout the rest of the game, then it becomes, like I said, game on. But uh, that first stop was really big. And then, of course, a couple of turnovers there early as well. BYU gets uh, cooking in the second quarter, both on offense and defense. Uh, two Jaron Hall touchdown runs and two more takeaways for the defense, uh, both of them interceptions and both by linebackers. Okay, Coach Lamb, uh, your position group has now accounted for 10 of BYU's 12 interceptions this season. Yeah, you got to got to credit uh, the, the defensive backs, really. I mean, we've, we've played a lot of coverage this year. It's, it's the type of teams that we've played against. We've played against some teams that will air it out regardless. They're going to throw it into coverage and, and take a chance. And so we've played some teams that have decided to do that. Uh, we've, with the secondary, we've kept the ball in front of us. Puts a lot of strain on the linebackers, but almost every one of the interceptions we've had, the common denominator has been the linebackers of taken away the quick game and then flipped their hips and got back while reading the quarterback's eyes and just basically fooled the quarterback. And so both of, both of these that we saw right there, that's exactly what was happening. 
Another common denominator might be uh, ball skills from your linebackers. Not every linebacker's got good enough hands to make some of the catches these guys are making, and you've been really solid that way. They, 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 they do, and they, you know, all of these guys, all of our linebackers were running backs, safeties in high school, and, and even here um, at, at BYU in the beginning of their careers, and I think that's what translates. We, we, you know, at college football, we don't have a lot of time with the players. I can't take credit for doing a bunch of ball drills every day and saying that's, that's carrying over onto the field. These guys came in with that skill, and they're doing a great job with it. By the way, uh, as good as the linebackers have been uh, with the INTs, fans are wondering if they've earned themselves a nickname for that particular skill. Um, I, I do like a couple of options that have come in. Um, the take it backers is, a, is, is, is one. Okay. BYU's been taking it back pretty well with that group. Uh, a little more creative, uh, Kalani's kleptos, uh, a little kleptomania going on in there as well. But either way, it's a strong group. It's a deep group. And uh, you, you've gotten good performances kind of up and down the two deep, haven't you there? Uh, yes, it's been, it's been uh, through, throughout the linebacker core. Uh, Jackson Kofus, he's gotten involved. He, he doesn't play as many snaps as some of the other guys. Isaiah, Peyton, uh, they're, they're, all, they're all capable of getting those interceptions. Our viewers saw the statistics relative to takeaways right now. BYU ranks third nationally in INTs per game, fifth in takeaways per game, tenth in turnover margin, and not coincidentally, Ed, uh, the wins have followed the takeaways. They have, yeah, and, and I think a lot of that, you know, it's just it's about the teams that you play so often in college football. There's just not a, a large enough sample to really look at stats, and I, I think our players have recognized that too. If, you, if we would play against running teams that are really big on protecting the football and you know, play actions and shots and stuff like that, then it would be a different, it'd be a different scenario. Different guys on our team might be getting those interceptions, or, or he, we may not have as many. But like I said, we played against some teams that are just going to snap the ball as fast as they can and throw it up in the air and see what happens, and, and you got to make them pay, and that's what we've been doing. Okay, back to Saturday's game for a bit. He hit the halftime locker room leading 21-14, to 14, but you're looking at another quarterback shuffle at that point. Uh, you guys lost Jaron Hall on his final touch of the half. It was a touchdown run uh, on which he took a hit to the head, and he was done for the night. He was, yep, and uh, what a competitor, the way that he played, uh, set the tempo for the team, and of course he came back from his own in, um, uh, injury and played physical all the way down through until the point that he stepped out of the game, and that's something that the team really rallied around, and they've continued to do that around all of, all of the quarterbacks. I've got such, such uh, respect for the way that our quarterbacks play the game. All, all three of them have played physically. The way, the way Zach went out, you know, the way Zach got injured, uh, mm -hmm. trying to make a tackle, and the way Jaron has filled in, and of course Baylor, what he's done, it's been, it's been incredible, fun to watch. You see in the highlights there uh, just how good he was on, on Saturday. And before he went out, we saw, again, what makes Jaron Hall a special player. He was doing it on the air, uh, or through the air and on the ground on Saturday, again. He was, yep. He had some nice protection. I thought the, the play calls, the rhythm of our offense was fantastic. We were getting the ball out on time. We were uh, attacking the man-to-man -man coverage that Utah State was trying to run. We were attacking it on the edges and, and down the middle as well. And a really good job by the, by the uh, offensive group and, and by Jaron to come in there and get it started that way. Is it too early in the week to have a sense of uh, what his status might be for this Saturday? You know, that's, that's really the, when it comes to the, the collision type things, that's, um, it's up to the training staff and it's up to, if, if it is, I, I haven't actually heard, but if, it, if he is in the concussion protocol like he was that held him out last time, it, mm -hmm. that's just a, that's one of those things. If he tests correctly over the next two days, he's back in and it, and it could be much longer. Okay. Well, without Jaron Hall, uh, BYU turns once again to Baylor Romney. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk some more about what he did to help carry the Cougs to victory as we continue our conversation with Ed Lamb. And as we head to break, a reminder, 
about to BYU football with Kalani Sitake. Special day and time this week only. It's tonight at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on the BYU TV app. And you can watch it Wednesday at 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific on BYU TV. This is the Coordinator's Corners. We are at Coordinator's Corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We are live here in Studio C. We are back with more and Coach Ed Lamb right after this. Jordan Love in a pocket. Throws picked off again. The Cougars have another one. It is Peyton Wilgar. Wilgar to the far sideline. Another possession ends deep in BYU territory. Another linebacker INT. We are back on the coordinator's corner with BYU special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb and the wagon wheel. BYU now a 4-4 four and four on the season after back-to-back wins. The latest, a 42-14 win at Utah State Saturday to secure that trophy. We left off our last break uh, with Baylor Romney coming out of the bullpen for Jaron Hall in that win. And Baylor was, again, tremendous. Uh, 10 of 16 passing, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, he ran four times for 19 yards, even caught a pass for 13 yards. Pass efficiency rating better than 190. Not bad for a number three when the season began. That's right, yeah. And, and you know, we don't look at it that way. Really, within the, the depth chart is for fans and media, but the players, they always know they're a couple plays away from being in the game. One play away, two plays away. Credit to uh, two things, really, with the performance of these backup quarterbacks has been, number one, their mental makeup. Like, they, they were ready at any time to go into the game. Number two, if you play close attention, you'll see that the the – the plays and the play calling strategy is is slightly different for, for each of the quarterbacks, and that's you know credit the offensive staff with being simple enough to execute at a high level, but being uh, flexible enough to to really tailor made tailor make the game plan around those quarterbacks. Now you mentioned mental makeup, and and you know them better than we do, uh, but we already have a pretty decent sense of Baylor's uh, emotional <laughs> mindset. To call him even keeled would be an understatement, wouldn't it? That, that's a great way to describe it, and and really, I think uh, the, yeah, the, the, all the Romneys, you know, we, we we've got. Uh, well, actually, I can't can't not supposed to talk about one, but the, the two that are currently on our team, all two of them, yeah, all two of them. yes, yeah, they're they're uh, they're very similar in their makeup. That there's an intensity underneath. But uh, also, they're quiet and businesslike in the way that they go about it. And I think that that, um, you know, sometimes if guys in a leadership role, especially at quarterback, it can translate through the team. Yeah, and a great demonstration maybe of different ways to be a leader at that position. Some guys are, you know, in the Drew Brees mold, in your face. They want that huddle. They want to get in their guys' faces. And, and then you get Baylor, who's just like, I'll go and do my job. Yeah, and it's got to be, it's really, it's got to be authentic. Head coaches are the same way. Players can sense, teammate, teammates can sense when you've got a guy out there that's a cool customer who's trying to get in everybody's face. That's mm. like, that just doesn't match up, right? Okay. And then players can also sense when, you know, when a guy's fiery and trying to act like this composed kind of stoic figure. And, and Baylor is who he is, so is Jaron, so is Zach, and that's why it works so well, and they all do it differently. Great. Uh, well, among the great things we saw on Saturday, uh, the first brother-to-brother touchdown in BYU football history, they tell us, uh, Baylor to Gunner. Great play, too. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a well-designed play, and one that our offense worked really hard on and ran just dozens of times over the course of the week, and uh, the, uh, the timing in, on that and the execution on that was flawless. There was the threat of sneak when he comes under center. We're not on, on, an under-center team. And yet, uh, it couldn't have been any better blocked and, and executed. I thought about that, thinking that's a great two-point play, right? It'll get on, you know, but that's a great two-point play too. You're two yards back in that case, but still, it was well done. It is. Our offense done a really good job of developing that short yardage package. We, we really have made some hay in the last two weeks in the way that we execute our short yardage stuff with the quarterback sneak, the variation off the quarterback sneak, and then there was one more variation right there. 
Okay, some leftover notes here. We saw Micah Simon score his first touchdown in two seasons. We saw him complete a pass. Uh, we saw the BYU defense with two more takeaways in the second half. We saw BYU outscore Utah State 21-0 after halftime. And we saw BYU score its first fourth-quarter points since the USC game in mid-September. It all ends up to a comprehensive 42-14 win. And it, it ends, too, the Aggies' two-game win run over BYU, which was part of the build-up to this thing. That's right. Yeah, our guys wanted this game tremendously bad, I think. You know, switch the game plan, switch the play callers around, doesn't matter. Our guys were going to go and win this game, and I'm really proud of the way that they executed. It was a trophy game. We see the wagon wheel back there. That means something too, right? It sure does, yeah. It's anything in college football that can be, that can be tangible, you know, a, a tangible record of success. It wouldn't matter what we were playing for. The wagon wheel is one of the coolest trophies that I've been around. <laughs> I mean, it, just the history of it and, and the, reason, the reason that it is a wagon wheel, et cetera, um, the shared history of the people of this state and the, uh, all of that. But, uh, but any type of trophy at all would just be worth playing for. It means a lot to the guys. It took a few people to get this in here, by the way. This is not uh, something you just uh, pick up in the crook of an arm and, and haul out. Yeah, we've got some pretty strong guys that you know, <laughs> we had to have two and three guys on it at all times just to get it around the field. And I noticed after a while they just started to roll it as it's supposed to be done. Right. Well, it's fun to see. It was pretty, you know, they grabbed it, they hoisted it, they then brought it in, you know, all of a sudden the entire teams gathered around it yeah. and you got a phalanx of photographers taking it. It was a pretty cool deal Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great, great moment for them to celebrate. And, and that's what we do on Saturday night and then you know it's Sunday and Monday we're back to work on the next opponent back to work what we did not see by the way on Saturday in Logan were any field goal attempts from either team uh, first game this season without a BYU field goal try at least PAT perfect by the way uh, six for six with that unit we saw a couple of punt returns that uh, Aleva Hifo uh, had to ta- have a double clutch at uh, one was recovered one was lost and the lost muff then turned back into a BYU takeaway so I guess it was kind of a wash there how would you assess the overall special teams outing on Saturday at Utah State I thought overall it was really solid. Uh, great punt returner sometimes muff, muff punts, and it wasn't Aleva's best game. Their punter did uh, do more of an end-over-end style of kick, and that's something that Danny Jones gives us more often in practice. And, and, and looking back on it, I wish I would have given uh, Danny some more punts uh, in practice for Aleva uh, because it was a similar style of punt, the way that the ball flies. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get better and he'll, he'll bounce back from that. Overall, the, the key to the game from a special team standpoint was coverage. Uh, one of the very best kickoff returners in the country. We've faced probably the three most dangerous kickoff returners in the country with USC and then Boise State and then, uh, and then Utah, Utah State. Utah State, yeah. And really shut them, shut them all down. All three games have had uh, fantastic kickoff coverage. So credit to the kickers and, on placement, and then also they're just having the right guys to run down and be unblockable and make plays. That's a good point. The Aggies' national rankings in those return games were very high with guys with multiple return touchdowns on their careers, for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's get to uh, special teams players of the week then from the Utah State game. And uh, we're talking about multiple guys who do different things. You can kind of describe in detail how you uh, parcel this out here. Yeah, we, I mean, the two main awards that we've been giving out lately, we, we always recognize what we call winners and champions, and there's a bunch of guys. But these three right here earned our top rock and top blocks. Uh, Morgan Piper, welcome to the kickoff squad. He gets in there on his first rep and makes a fantastic play, um, a tackle deep in their own territory. Austin Lee and Micah Simon were recognized as top blockers on the, day, on the game, and they, uh, that was for their work on the punt return team. They just really worked hard. Two guys, a starter on offense, a starter on defense that are – out there giving it everything they've got on special teams. And since I see Austin Lee's name, it reminds me of the fourth down play. Keeps a guy out of the end zone at the half-yard line. 
you know, it, by the end of it, there were a number of guys involved, but he's really the first point of contact on that play. Yeah, it was. He played a physical game. He set on the very first play of the game, he set the tempo for physicality, uh, made a nice uh, legal, well-timed hit on the receiver. Chaz Ayu uh, got a little uh, fingertip on it, and, and uh, Austin came in and cleaned up the receiver and, and let them know that it was going to be a tough sledding going down the middle on our defense in the passing game. And then what a great job to keep, uh, keep the shutout in the second half, the second half shutout. And made a really thick tackle right there on the one-yard line and kept him out. Was that a big deal to you guys, the fact that Utah State hadn't scored in the second half and that was going to be an objective? I mean, I think it is. Uh, you know, what we do at halftime, offense, defense, and special teams, is get the, guys, get the coaches together first. We have to do it really quickly, but you, you talk about any adjustments that might be necessary, and then you get that to the players, and they've got to learn and adapt and implement that. And uh, so, you know, I think players and coaches take a lot of pride in adjustments, and you want to win the second half. We uh, saw the special teams players of the week. Coach Grimes has his week off this week with us. Offensive player of the week. Are we going to check that out right now or a little later on in the show? With Co- We'll check it out right now. Offensive player of the week from the uh, Utah State game on Saturday night as chosen by offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. And we're looking at Lopini Katoa. Tough to argue. ton of yards from scrimmage. We see his receiving yards there. He put his rush yards with it, and you have 171 yards from scrimmage for Peeney. Yeah, he had some tremendous yards after the catch on the uh, screen play. Of course, had a big, huge 77-yarder. But the thing that's been great about Lopini's play uh, lately is how versatile he is and how much he's improving. He's uh, The physicality, the way that he's running running the football, uh, he and... Uh, Shonen Finau have got a great battle going for playing time. They're supportive of each other. They're encouraging each other. You know, Supa in there is in there as well. There's a lot of competition for reps at that spot, and these guys are rising to the occasion. Tremendous job by Lopini of protecting the football, fighting for yardage, getting down the field, and he's doing it in all phases at the running back position. One of the longest pass plays in BYU history, actually, and the longest one of the Shitake era. Screen game did well Saturday night. It did really well, yeah. And that's a, a you know, against a man-to-man coverage team, some of that stuff is going to be difficult uh, to pull off. And uh, credit the offensive line for getting out in front and creating the initial spring. Okay, as we head to break, a reminder that the dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, now open in Harriman. Coming up Saturday, it is BYU and Liberty, a first-time meeting at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU radio coverage beginning with Cougar pregame live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. The kick at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific on BYU radio. Coming up next, our final segment with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, including a preview of Saturday's opponent. You're in the coordinator's corner. Brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Well done. Lopini complete. Blocked to the outside. Lopini 35-40. Lopini's at midfield. Tracked out from behind. Runs through a tackle. Stiff arm. Down he goes to the 20, to the 15-10-5. Oh! He's inside the 5. Lopini Katoa. You are in the coordinator's corner. Brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 4-4 four and four on the season. And now back home for back-to-back games against Liberty and Idaho State. First up, the Flames of Liberty, a fellow FBS independent. And uh, Coach Ed Lamb, Liberty has played a, a manageable schedule, let's call it. But the offensive stats are eye-popping. They sure are. <laughs> yeah, we've been watching. Uh, normally, the first thing we do is kind of start out as we watch an opponent. Defensively, anyway, we watch their offense, uh, kind of the, what we call the big play reel, and just see what they're really capable of. And when they get out down the field and have their big plays. And, and these guys, their big play reel is about as impressive as it gets. 
scoring a lot of points, and, and again, not the world's toughest schedule, but doing with it what they're supposed to do, rack up some wins. Yeah, and you know, I, that's, that's one of the things a lot of people uh, talk about every week and with us or other teams, but really, you know, as, as coaches and players, we know that every team has good players, and so when, you, when you're able to put numbers out there and when you're able to make impressive plays, highlights, if you will, it's, it's, it's because you're good. You're a good opponent. Now, UMass is, is a porous defense, but Liberty racked up 63 and, and really should have scored 70. They had a backup quarterback fumble on the way going in right at the goal line. The backup was in because uh, Buckshot Calvert's day was done relatively early. He was at 440-plus in the first half of that UMass game. He was 441 and I think four touchdowns in the first 30 minutes yeah, on Saturday. Incredible performance. He, he does a really good He sees the game as well as any quarterback that uh, we've faced. He's, it's going to be a real challenge to slow him down. By the way, uh, Buckshot's not a nickname. That's his given middle name, by the way. So he's Stephen Buckshot Calvert. And Liberty refers to him as Buckshot all the time. It's like it's his first name. Uh, that's one of the better names we're going to find in college football, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd want to be Buckshot as a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think a, a sharpshooter, sharp rifle, something, something like that. But he's, he's precision-oriented. He is red-haired. He could be the red rifle pretty easily. Others have it. Um, his stats, by the way, on the year, uh, 20 touchdowns to three picks. Uh, he's averaging around 300 passing yards per game. Low 60s percentage-wise, uh, a high pass efficiency rating. Uh, he perform- What's special about him? What do you see? Uh, multiple things. He, he gets the ball out really quickly, so it's, it's tough to get pressure on him. He's, uh, his RPO game is where he makes a lot of his, um, opens up the rest of the game. So he's got these run plays called, and he's just ripping in the RPOs. And then he's got uh, some great receivers around him as well, some backs that can get yards after the catch. And uh, r- really, w- we feel like there's four receivers that present uh, real matchup problems. Antonio Gandy-Golden, one of those uh, options, uh, one of only two wide receivers right now with 1,000-plus yards on the season already. So it's BYU and Liberty. It'll be a 5.30 kick on Saturday at Level Liberty Stadium. Time for a couple of social media questions right now. At uh, Jeffrey C. Jackson on Twitter. And he asks, uh, was your kickoff strategy against USU similar to that of the USC game where you wanted to kick it off with an opportunity for returns because you trust your kick return coverage? I'd love to know your thoughts on that, says Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, great question. I get this question so often. And, you know, people sometimes think that you can, you can just create a touchback by kicking it in the end zone. But uh, two of uh, Utah State's returns for touchdowns this year were returned from deep in the end zone. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we, we, the key is, yes, I trust our, our coverage guys. We want to put some hang time under the ball and go and, go and play the game of football. If teams aren't going to fair catch it when you kick it out by the numbers um, or into the end zone, then you've got to be ready to cover it. And, and I think our guys were, even at the, you saw their returner didn't have any intention of fair catching the one that he kind of bobbled out of bounds. That was kicked in the corner and 90 9% of uh, kickoff returners are going to fair catch that one. Yeah, so earlier in the game, fair catch was called going toward the boundary. It came out at the 25. On that one, it was a bobble at the – was, was, is Skyler playing with fire on that, or is that exactly where it's supposed to go on that? Because you kick up out of bounds, you're giving away yards at that point. Yeah, that just, that just got a little too wide. Um, and, and it's – what we're asking him to do is incredibly difficult because against a good return team like, uh, like Utah State and some of those we faced, if you're hanging the ball up out in the middle of the field, there, it's really difficult to go and cover that much, you know, 53 and a third yards of field space. Okay. Uh, by the way, did the official misplace one of the uh, one of the balls one yard shy of the twenty five? I think on one of the t- on one of the fair catches. I think it started a drive at the twenty four, or we started a drive at the twenty four on one of ours uh, when it should have been the twenty five. Was a, yeah, so, yeah. Any fair catch should be uh, either at the spot outside of the twenty five, as you know, you're alluding to, yeah. or at the twenty five. I'm, I'm embarrassed I think, that I, I think didn't. We, I think we went twenty four on one of those for some reason. It wasn't caught. Uh, okay, uh, from. Time. 
from Joshua Havens on, on Twitter. Uh, the backspin kickoff calls uh, the one from, um, what you were talking about, the backspin? I think against Utah we had one that landed and just died. Right. Is it something that's been, uh, is it something he says that's been called since and wasn't executed correctly, or have the player's been able to catch it before it hits the ground, and will you call more of those in the future? Um, I, I don't know if any kicker can, can actually accurately uh, bring a, all the kicks have backspin. Yeah. Would be a better way to say it. Right. I think the, the chances of whether it does that or not, of course, it's the returner has to just let it land. And, and I don't think that we've had anyone do that recently. But uh, I don't, I, I, there's, there's definitely not a call that we have called backspin kickoff. Uh, Jake Oldroyd had a kickoff. Yes, so, and he had had not been kicking off. Why? Why, why was that uh, a time to bring? Yeah, it out? Jake opened up the game. Um, Skyler Skyler had some things going on this week where he, he couldn't make all the practice sessions, some personal things he was dealing with, mm. and Jake had taken all of the practice kicks leading up, and so we felt like that Jake had, had earned the right to start the game with that. And uh, Skyler was supportive of Jake as as they always are of each other. And then uh, you know we felt like Skyler was best for the team, and so Skyler came right back in and did his job and did it extremely well. Jake's was designed short. Was that enough? Was that to the vicinity you wanted it going, or no, no, you know? it, w- it was just designed to have hang time and and be uh, you know like all of the kicks that Skyler made. That's what we wanted out of Jake, and he just got a little too too underneath it and actually got the ball out. We, it went to one of their guys that doesn't doesn't return it very often, right. which is what you hope when you when you hang one short on accident. But uh, got the ball out, but the returner got it right back. Okay, last thing for you today uh, from two and four. And all those quarterback questions at the time, Zach had already gone out. Uh, Jaron was now out. What do you do with the number three? And then now you're four and four, and you're heading home for a couple games. Things can change in a hurry uh, in this game, and all you worry about is the next game, of course. But, man, it's, it's, uh, once you've taken eight games, you can kind of take stock. Where do you think this team is now? What can they be the rest of the way? Well, I think, um, I think that what we need to be anyway is, is battle-hardened. I, I think we need to, to own the whole part of that record. And uh, this... This streak of 2-0 and feels great if we're only thinking about two weeks, but we've, we've suffered some hard losses, some hard lessons, and that needs to remain part of our collective memory and, and part of our motivation as a team. And so I'm really hoping that, that we can continue to emphasize that as coaches and the players can continue to keep that in their collective memory and realize that every Saturday is a different Saturday and every opponent is worthy of our full effort. Complacency kills, but but the the good vibes right now are hard earned, right? There should be some ability to enjoy it and feel like this is a positive thing to build off. Of. They are. I mean, confidence and respecting the opponent are not mutually ex- exclusive. I think our guys should be confident right now in the direction that we're going, confident in the way that we've been preparing and the product we've been putting on the field. But uh, absolutely respect every opponent and be ready to fight for everything that matters each Saturday in the football game. Well, Ed, always enjoy our conversations. We'll give you next week off and see you back here in a couple weeks. Thanks, Greg. All right, have a good week ahead. All right, that is Coach Ed Lamb. BYU TV leads you into kickoff of BYU and Liberty this Saturday from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Watch Countdown to Kickoff Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. The game on ESPNU and BYU Radio with BYU TV coming back for postgame coverage right after. Coming up next, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki joining us in the coordinator's corner. We're live from Studio C on BYU TV. Stay right here with us. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We begin our second half hour of the show, uh, welcoming in defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. Coach E, good to see you. Thanks. Good to be back. Last time we had you in studio, three weeks ago, it was a long time ago, and uh, BYU was coming off a loss at South Florida. 
getting ready to face a ranked Boise State team. Uh, can you remind us a little bit about your thoughts at that point in the season and what you and Kalani felt was needed uh, to get your team into a better place? Well, um, we, we just needed something to spark it up. We thought, uh, you know, as far as just the aggression, the way that we, the message that we wanted for the players, as far as just getting after it was very, very important for us to deliver the message of staying aggressive and and uh, not hanging up for the season. You know, Boise was coming in. They were going to be a tough, tough team. But uh, Galani was really involved on the defensive side, and we welcomed that with all the expertise that he brought, um, different schemes and all that stuff. And I thought that um, it's been good for the defense. It's been a good change for us. Tactically, did you become a much different defense from then till now? Uh, maybe a couple of uh, wrinkles here and there, you know, uh, for us. But I think the message, as well as just having Kalani a little bit more involved, was was good for the boys, was good for us as coaches, and just kind of keep us on our toes, as well as, um, you know, just, just, just the change. And so um, there were some things tactically that we did a little bit differently against Boise. Um, but uh, overall, I think the whole thing was, was, it was good. It was just really good to have him in the room talking about things and, and uh, you know, trying to try some new things too. How do you describe your relationship with Kalani as as co-defensive minds, if you will? You know, I don't really see us as co's. I'm I'm trying to trying to do what uh, you know what what uh, the job is, which I think is to make the head coach happy and, <laughs> and to do what he wants. I I want the uh, the defense to have the personality that the head coach wants, especially since he's a defensive guy. And so, yeah. um, I think that's the job. And and. Uh, our, our relationship's perfect. Our relationship's awesome. Love him, support him, and want to do everything that we can to uh, make him successful as a head coach, but also make our make our team win and you know give the fans what they want as well as just uh, our boys those wins. Now, since those tough back-to-back losses to USF and uh, Toledo, uh, BYU's ripped off back-to-back wins, and uh, both were in these regional rivalry games: Boise State, Utah State. Uh, two big games for the program, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, we hadn't. Uh, we hadn't beat Boise since we've been here, and Utah State got us the last couple of years, and so it was huge for us to get things uh, back to where we feel like they need to be, where we're a lot more competitive and getting after these teams and and uh, bringing these wins back that that uh, we needed. Saturday night in Logan, you had Jordan Love, Gerald Bright, and Utah State to defend. Uh, Kalani said in his post game that he wanted the defense to have a really clear picture of every part of BYU's game plan. How would you describe that plan you put together uh, to defeat Utah it was, State? It was perfect. It was really good. Um, you know, I thought the players played well. Um, really good offense. We were playing a really good team, really good offense, a team that, um, you know, was really productive and, and did a good job just, uh, you know, running their offense. But um, I thought that the players played and uh, played to their roles and did a really good job just keeping, keeping the score down and keeping, uh, keeping them off the field as much as we can, getting a bunch of takeaways. The game couldn't have gotten off to a much better start for you guys on Saturday night. Uh, defensive three and out on the first possession for Utah State. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge for us. And it's, I think the way it happened, too, on the third down, it was uh, um, a guy making a play. It was Kyrus, right? Kyrus, was, yeah. Kyrus snapped off and made a play. And, um, you know, we were kind of – we, we weren't in any, any kind of blitz or anything. And so um, it really was just a guy making a play. I thought Kyrus played really well. Cougs uh, followed that defensive three and out with a long touchdown drive, 90-plus yards. And last couple of games in particular, e, the offense is stringing together now those long scoring drives. More rest for your guys. And uh, considering Utah State's tempo especially, the longer the uh, offense can have the ball, the better for you. Yeah, it's, it's been great. These last two weeks, the way that we've played team football, the way that the offense has, uh, has been uh, scoring, the way that they've been staying aggressive, the way that they've been moving the ball and just staying on the field has been huge for us. And, and the defense feeds off of it, you know. And 
and uh, I think the defense have been playing well because of the offense. Can you give us some more insight right now on, on how it was to call a game where the Aggies snapped 82 plays in just 24 minutes of possession? That's a crazy fast number. It's, it, it is. It's, it's unbelievable, uh, the amount of snaps that we ended up playing. But, um, you know, I think when, when you're talking about football theory, it could be a positive, but it's also, you know, could end up hurting you. I think, uh, I think uh, that many plays in that short a time, their defense is also tired, and you kind of flip it and look on the other side of the ball. Football theory, um, you know, if, if uh, theoretically the more plays you run, the more points you score, if that's correct, then I think that that's the right thing to do. But, um, you know, them only, only putting up 14 points with that many, with that many uh, plays is, is probably not the best thing for their defense. And so, you know, on our side of it, I just I, I love what our, our, our team is doing, all, you know, as far as playing team football. Offense is, offense is doing well, and um, I think the kids are all playing with belief right now, which is great. How did you prep for that tempo during the week? It's, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to prep for anything. I mean, they, they go faster than anybody that we've seen in a very long time. Arizona is probably the closest thing to them, but um, it's, uh, it's really just schematically making sure that we're, we, don't have, we don't have guys running around trying to find out what the call is. And I thought Galani did a really good job with some of the suggestions he brought as far as just us doing certain things and um, getting the kids, just basically getting your cleats in the ground and playing ball and knowing what the call is. And I thought that uh, the kids played well. Okay, here were Utah State's first six possessions on Saturday night. Punt, fumble, TD, INT, punt, INT. That's three takeaways in the first half. Still just a one-score game at halftime. Did you feel like you were kind of in control or like kind of living on the edge as, as explosive as the Aggies can be still? You know, the first half is always tough because, you know, teams always come out and, and uh, uh, make their adjustments, and you got to make sure that you're, you're ready to make the adjustments as well. But you know, I uh, thought, thought that it was a good start. I mean, all those takeaways, as well, it, it wasn't just the takeaways. The, the fact that our offense was turning around and moving the ball a little bit and then capitalizing on some of those takeaways I thought was, was huge for us. I, mean, I, think, I think if we're taking it away but then giving it back and uh, the score's not moving much, then you kind of come away at halftime feeling like, you know, things aren't good. But uh, we came into halftime feeling pretty confident, feeling pretty good about the way the game's going and um, felt good about the adjustments on both sides of the ball. Now you hit the halftime locker room up 21-14. to 14. Speaking of adjustments, you had to make a quarterback change on the other side of the ball. Jaron Hall gets knocked out uh, again, uh, knocked out of the game at least, I mean. And uh, how much confidence does this team already have in Baylor Romney as a team now? Yeah, a ton of confidence in, in, uh, in the ability, in the quarterback room, really. I think that uh, we as a team all, all believe, we all know that those guys can come in and win us games. And Baylor in the back-to-back games has come in and saved us and done a really good job. So uh, kudos to him. We, we, we love Baylor. Defensive players love Baylor Rob. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a pretty cool customer. Uh, he just goes about his business, right? I, I know you're busy getting your defense ready while Romney's doing his thing on the offense. Yep. But he's decisive, throws a good ball. And as we've seen, he makes plays at a really high rate. And it is kind of fun to talk about the personality of Baylor, too, because he does all that while just kind of being chilled out. Yeah, yeah. He's a very, very poised player. And we see that when we go in our, our crossover periods in practice. He does a really good job and, and executes. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think that in, that in the quarterback room, we have a lot of good players and a, and a really good coach. Okay, break time. Coming up, uh, how BYU pitched a second-half shutout up in Logan, and we identify Coach Tuiaki's Defensive Player of the Week from the Utah State game. This is the Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by... 
JCW's The Burger Boys. Bailey's Moving and Storage. More than just a move. Siegfried and Jensen. Serving Utah families for over 25 years. Back on the coordinator's corner, we visit with BYU's defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, BYU a 42-14 winner at Utah State on the weekend. Coach, I saw you in pregame kind of renewing acquaintances with some Aggies there at, at field level. Uh, Logan was part of your coaching history, wasn't it? It was. I was, I was there for three years. I had, I had a good time, loved it there, Got a, built a lot of relationships with just players and coaches. You know, I was there with Gary, and uh, I had a good time when I was there. You've seen the rivalry from both sides uh, how has it, uh, it maybe evolved o- o- over your time as a coach? You know, when we first got there, I think it had been in, uh, I mean, decade plus, almost two decades since Utah State won. And uh, uh, we, we won the second year that I was there, and it was the first time in a very, very long time. And then ever since then, I think it's been a little bit more competitive of, of a rivalry. I know the, the first year we were there, people asked Gary what it meant in the rivalry, and he said it's not a rivalry yet. It's because we haven't won, and we need to bring it back. And I think now it is. It's a good, healthy rivalry. It means a lot to the in-state kids. Um, and, uh, I mean, going back and forth between the coaches, too, it's been good. Now, now Utah game's always going to be kind of on a different level, but you can tell that the BYU guys embrace this Utah State game as a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it means something. It means something to the players for sure. Okay, back to the game Saturday. Uh, BYU led 21-14 at halftime. Second half score, 21 nothing. Cougs. Uh, how determined uh, were you guys as a defense to keep the eggs off the board and get that shutout in the second half? Yeah, the, the, the players adjusted well. There are a couple of things that we knew, wrinkles that we threw in that um, I think put a, you know, make it made it a little bit harder for them to see things. But, um, I mean, it was just, just awesome the way that uh, the players played and responded. And really, once they settled down and kind of understood the tempo, they understood certain plays, they kind of like, okay, this is what they're trying to do, then uh, the kids settled in and played, and I thought it was really well, really good. Okay, three first-half takeaways, uh, two more in the second half as we see. So BYU ends up plus two in the turnover margin. Cougs top ten nationally right now in the margin. Top ten takeaways per game, top and uh, top 10 INTs per game. The defense has established itself. Now there's an identity now as disruptors. It's a disruptive group. It is. It is. It's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, interesting because it's a little bit different than it had been in the past as far as the way that things are happening. But it's, uh, Can you describe that for a second, how it's different and still getting the results? You know, we, we were in the previous years a little bit more uh, uh, blitz-heavy, a little bit more blitz-heavy. We blitzed a lot. Uh, different things that we did as far as just scheming. But then, you know, in this game, uh, uh, we played drop eight 66 times. And so... Um, out of 82 that, snaps. Out of 82 snaps. Yeah. And, and in those, and you know, when you're talking about being aggressive, I mean, it's aggressive really, it, it's, all, it's all just kind of how you define it. And for us and the way that the kids took it in was, hey, we're aggressively going to rush three. We're aggressively going to drop people in. And I mean, they don't, you don't get very many sacks because it's quarterback. And we knew that going in and thought that we'd be, you know, ramming our head into the wall trying to blitz tons of people and just have the quarterback get rid of it. And so we said, we're going to force him aggressively to try to make good throws. And we, we had a bunch of takeaways. We did have a couple, a couple sacks. We had the, we had the sack strip uh, that, that got called back that I thought, you know, um, it would have been, been awesome if yeah. we were in. But it was just really rushing through, rushing four. It was really aggressive on our end, not, not uh, blitzing him a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, I thought that the, the kids – 
just responded to it well. You know, they didn't feel like it was we were in a non-aggressive defense. It was yeah. one of the the best the best things that we could have done against this team, against this quarterback. And you know, moving forward, it ends up changing. We end up doing something different. It just depends on the scheme that we're facing. So you were dropping, but getting picks out of sitting backers. Um, Twelve ints on the year now for the team. Ten of them, as we've talked about, come from the linebacker core. That's that's a lot of that, that's a lot of ints for a linebacker group. Peyton Wilgar snags his third of the season on Saturday. No FBS linebacker in the country has more INTs than, than Peyton's three right now. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the stuff that we're doing, which is basically telling the quarterback, you're not going to throw it deep on us. You have to try to get underneath. And with the long backers that we have and just the, how they're schooled up and coached well by, by Coach Lamb, um, been really good. I mean, they, they steal balls and they, they bait quarterbacks. And, and it's, I think it's really difficult to, to uh, complete, complete uh, some of those underneath routes, especially with all the small windows that we give them. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, we, it was very similar to the, to the game plan that we did against USC, which is, hey, this, is, this game, you three D linemen are going to have to rush for six seconds, and, mm-hmm. and this quarterback is, is going to feel uncomfortable. He's going to flush out of the pocket. He's going to throw some bad balls, and we're going to come away with some on this one. I've got to ask you about this one. It just hit my mind right now. Sometimes you see, um, you know, heavy, hard-hitting sacks from, from rush ends. Not often you get the, the, the just smack em sacks that you get from like a note. Atunaisa Mahe had one of the best sacks of the season on the weekend. Yeah, yeah that was the good. We, we were actually in a four-down front there, and so this is one of our blitzes, per se. Yeah. Um, we, we just ran a twist game, and, and Nisa popped free um, on, the, on the side that he was twisting on and had a really good, really good sack and, on the quarterback in that one. Okay, uh, how about Bo Tanner? Uh, last time he was at Maverick Stadium, he caught a touchdown pass. It was actually a really nice catch. It was a tough night for BYU, but it makes a great diving catch in the end zone. That's when he was back when he was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Fast flash forward, and now he's a, uh, a corner, and he's making an INT that basically ends the game. That's yeah, yeah that, that was huge. <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping he took that one back all the way to the house. It was... You got all, he got all the way to the porch, not all the way to the house. You got, yeah, you got to the porch. Yeah. But yeah, look at this. Yeah, he can go, right? He's got you some wheels, him, right? right? He's got some wheels. He is a really, really fast player, and some of those guys are trying to block for him, and he's just running right by them. But um, no, that's, uh, that was huge for us to be able to see him do that. And he, you know, besides this play, too, there were a couple where he's coming down and just hitting people. He was really physical um, and uh, thought that he played well. Great to see him end his, uh, you know, end his career this way, basically. Because yeah. he's done a, he, you know, he's been, he's been in and out and switched sides, and now he's having a strong finish, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, we, I think he's found his place and, and uh, comfortable with where he's at and, and his growth. And, uh, you know, Coach Hadley's done a really good job with him, as well as Coach Guilford, just going back and forth. And so, yeah. I think he's found his home. You went into the game uh, without Lorenzo Fawatea. First of up on that, he was playing really good football, and then you have to miss him for a little bit. That was tough. Yeah, it was it was tough because he is one of those guys that we rely on, and you, as you know, uh, we rotate defensive linemen. Um, but losing him was losing him was hard, and uh, we'll get him back hopefully soon. But uh, some of those other guys stepped up, like you you saw nice up. I thought he had a good game. Uh, Gabe Summers is a, is another kid that um, stepped up and and uh, and you know, played and did a really good job. And so there's a couple of those linemen that are still rotating, doing a good job. You hope to get uh, Keenan Peely back, and Keenan didn't play Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah, I think Keenan is going to end up being okay for this week. But we, uh, he could have he played this week, and we were going to hold him just in case of an emergency. But 
we felt like he needed an extra week just to get his body back where he needed to be. As we get later in the season, we get to where that, that four-game window now gets to be discussed more actively. We all know you can play four games and keep a year of eligibility. Right now, BYU has four plus one in a bowl game, so you're probably sitting at five, um, which gets us thinking about a couple of DBs that we haven't seen all year but we hope could come back at some point. We're talking about uh, Troy Warner and uh, Chris Wilcox. Wilcox, how are they? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're doing well. I think, uh, you know, Troy right now, we're, we're probably thinking is uh, – is going to end up being those last three games in a bowl game. Um, you know, Troy really is actually starting to practice. And uh, uh, Chris is practicing as well, but just not as many snaps as Troy is. And so I think Chris may be, a, uh, be you know, when we end up playing those last three games. But Troy may, may make an appearance. Um, but I think both of them more likely to just see in the last three games as well as the bowl game. So last three and a bowl game. So uh, we know at 4-4 four and four, you are uh, two wins away from postseason eligibility. Uh, no one can ever presume anything, but you've got a couple of home games right now. It sure would be nice to end a home schedule knowing you've punched a postseason ticket. That has to be a goal. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a goal. We're going bowling. My, my daughter told me we're going bowling, so I was like, okay, we're going bowling. And so it's, it's absolutely uh, what the goal is right now. I mean, it's really we've got to string all these wins back to back to back to back, and, and uh, the, goal, the, the bowl is going to be great when we get there. But uh, you know, the goal for us is just finish, finish the season the right way and and uh, beat the rest of the teams on our schedule. Okay, before we put the Utah State game to bed, let's uh, let's uh, introduce folks to your defensive player of the week uh, from up there in Logan. Who'd you pick? Uh, went with Peyton Wilgar and uh, Kavika Fonua. I thought both of them played really well. They're the ones that came away with those picks. Um, you know, playing at a very, very high level. I mean, these, these two are, are big-time players for us and are leaders and just do a really good job at the backer, backer level. Um, but I uh, thought that this was a week for them. Did Peyton come to you as a, as a scholarship or non-scholarship player? Peyton was a walk-on. Peyton was a walk-on and uh, earned a scholarship and uh, has, has played really good football. Really, ever since he came, even when he first came, we thought this could, we, instead of going out and finding another backer and putting another backer on scholarship, we're just going to put this guy on and, and uh, really, really happy about that. He's a really good player. That's awesome. So your defensive players of the week there are a former walk-on and a former running back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. You can find those on your team. All right, uh, time begins to take a short break. And as we do, this reminder that for your day-to-day Cougar sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation, noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, Coach Tuiaki giving his thoughts on this weekend's home game with Liberty. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you as always by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're in Studio C here at BYU TV. Back with more after this. Left trips to the right. Fly sweep does nothing. Handoff middle and Bright's goal. Oh, the ball is loose. The Cougars have it. It's a fumble force. And I do believe Devin Kafusi scooped it up. It's Cougar football. The middle handoff sees Nwigwe collapse on Bright. Devin Kafusi pouncing on it. Cougar football. All right, final segment of the Coordinator's Corner now from Studio C. Coming up Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 4-4 four and four BYU home to 6-2 and two Liberty. Flames are racking up the wins and the stats, but against a relatively light schedule. That said, uh, some of the numbers this uh, team is putting up, uh, Coach Tuiaki, very impressive. I think they're a good offense. I think they really do, they do a really good job. They've got a receiver that's already over 1,000 yards. They've got a quarterback that's capable, uh, do a really good job running the ball. I think they have two good running backs, and... Um, you know, O-linemen that are pretty good players. And so, um, you know, not knowing anything before them and then before that and then just watching them over this week uh, on Sunday and, and today, I think that uh, I think that they're a pretty good offense. A good offense that uh, has a really high red zone touchdown percentage as well, near 70% there. 
Uh, you do that, you'll be one of the best teams in the country. That's where BYU was last year on offense at around 69%, their red zone touchdown rate. You mentioned the quarterback and the wideout. Buckshot Calvert is the quarterback. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Uh, I guess you could say they're as good as their names right now. Those are two fun names and two really good players. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the the film film's good. Film's really good right now, and so you know we'll we'll come together and we'll we'll game plan and try to put something together to make sure that we can uh, hold these guys down. But uh, I think that there's definitely a lot of capability on their side of just firepower, and they can they can score some points. Okay, uh, from social media at Don Nimmer asking, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but his question is, why doesn't BYU have in his package uh, more, or in its defense, more blitz packages? Yeah, it, like, like I said, it's. I think there's a difference between football scheme and football theory, you know, and and uh, I mean all those schemes exist, you know, in order to answering the question, they're, they're all there, they're all in the playbook, but it's just. Um, when you're trying to win a game, it it really what is what are the what are those other team do? It's uh, what are you going to do to slow them down? Um, and there's times where hey, let's heat these guys up and and let's keep the pressure. And there's times where it's just like we're not going to get there. Or, or then there may be some times where you're trying to um, you know help out the secondary a little bit. Or maybe sometimes you're like hey, the D line needs a little bit of help. And so I think I think there's more involved in just scheme. There's personnel. There's what they do on the offensive side. There's uh, you know what what are you guys doing as far as just you know. Um, trying to try to get, keep points off the board. Okay, E, appreciate this. We'll see you next week. All Thanks right, a thank lot. You. That'll do it for another edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Next week, Coach Tuiaki and Coach Grimes. For Coaches Tuiaki and Lamb, I'm Greg Grubel. We'll see you next Monday right here in the Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV. So long. Go Cougs.